Podcast 3, Game Developers Drinking Good Era D. My name is Rami Ismail, I'm your host. And I'm Osama Dorias. And I'm Fauzi Mesmar. Fauzi, <laughs> <laughs> jump in! Me, jump in immediately. <laughs> without, Go for it. Without how are you doing this week? <laughs> how are you doing this week? <laughs> I'm doing great, Rami, thanks for asking. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. No one asked me, but I'm doing well too, thank you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> i've been in um i've been in a very viking mood as of late um oh, cool. so like you know i played a bunch of valheim and i spoke about that last week but uh this like after that I've, i failed to get a group together to play uh, valheim with me <laughs> proper mm. like our times didn't align or something but i still felt like doing some vikinging so i started okay. playing assassin's Creed valhalla oh okay yeah i missed that last year i didn't play it when it came out and i you know got it on the xbox one x mm-hmm and uh and started playing it and uh, i think the last assassin's creed i played before that was um odyssey the one in greece okay. right right yeah. so uh, i haven't like been too far away from the series but i didn't but i didn't finish odyssey odyssey was the one right before this one i don't think you missed anything oh okay oh there you go uh, then i am up to date. it was very long odyssey yes. like it, it it started slow and it went very long i, I i've been about told it was very long. good but mm. oh yeah <laughs> uh, i played i played yeah maybe 10 20 hours of odyssey and i I just got distracted with other stuff when it came out right. i didn't play it much and yeah just still in this viking mode i was like oh, i want to you know i can't go valheiming that i can go more to valhalla i guess and uh start <laughs> playing that um, it's 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 pretty good game actually i think it's like um like a, a, from a start of a game kind of perspective a lot of assassin's creed games kind of like spend a lot of time building the world mm-hmm um but you know for the story it takes a, a bit of a time to kind of like ramp up <laughs> yeah. remember assassin's creed 3 where it's just like you play for 20 hours and then the logo appears and you're like wait what <laughs> <laughs> excuse me yeah exactly so like you could tell like the series has done a bit of that in the past uh but this one I, it has like a very strong opening i would say like you know the, the story starts off strong with like a lot of like um conflict interesting characters um so it kind of grabbed me from the beginning do you do you think that part of that is because the culture we're referring to is so well known through like the the sort of the stereotype of the culture right yeah the the character of the culture that they're building on is so well because it's a question i always have with assassin's creed games they 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 reach to these cultures that are relatively unknown in sort of the western pantheon of mythology Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they spend a lot of time like establishing the world, establishing the characters. Well, with uh, you know the Vikings, you can you can go pretty hard, pretty fast because everybody kind of has an that. agreement. Yeah, you're right, and right. they do a bunch of that already. Like uh, you know, like at some point, it's like oh, you know, there's Odin, and we talked about Odin for some reason, and like um, they don't have to do a lot of that character establishment there because everybody's right. so familiar with norse mythology or at least like have an idea to get you started so yeah that right. there's a lot less exposition into what the world is all about as yeah. the game starts which i quite enjoy i think that's always my favorite thing about assassin's creed is, is this weird um this weird sense of history that it has because obviously they want to stay historical but at the same time they also want to imply that everything that's happening is because of our protagonist yeah. but that's actually part of the lore of the game is that's that, part of the, yeah. the charm right part of exactly the charm. But it's it, it's really part of the lore itself is that the assassins and the Templars have been manipulating history throughout time. So for mm-hmm. them, this is really a strong uh, narrative like device. Yeah. What I what I did notice is that <laughs> I thought that was interesting. After playing Valheim, 
and then now like you know immediately jumping into Assassin's Creed the open world in Assassin's Creed now when I like I can't interact with a lot of the elements in the environment to use for my use um made me stop and I'll give you an example right. like in Valheim like as mm. I walk through the world there's a rock there's a tree there's things whatever is in that world is there for a purpose that I can use gameplay wise right and it's made it's... me stop and think and go like you know uh, open world design as we know it and like even with Zelda and Breath of the Wild kind of moved it to that point in which like the world on its own it can't be just an aesthetic that you traverse anymore it needs to serve you gameplay wise too right I mean, I think we've seen that too with um, uh, Immortal uh, Phoenix, right? Like yeah. a very, very distilled world. But you also saw sort of the opposite criticism there, that the world was too dense and too too constrained. It's fun to see these developments. I, I will say, as a designer, I've been looking at, at Assassin's Creed specifically sort of reckon with uh, and that system of, of open world movement uh, evolves from like pacing to gameplay back to pace. Because I don't want to go back to Dragon Age Inquisition either, where like for mm-hmm. 90% of the game... I was obsessed with collecting every herb. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's not, I'm not um, specifically focusing on the collection aspect of this, but I think it's um, more like function. how, the, like, yeah, exactly, how this, the, the world in its own is a system right. that, um, that aids you from a gameplay perspective. Uh, would you think that, that simulation is becoming a, a bigger, because I think that's what what we're talking about, right? We're talking about we want deeper simulation of our worlds and systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's a conversation that keeps coming up at the moment. Like people talking about like mm-hmm. making sure that our worlds react in ways and are useful in ways that help a sort of abstract system. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think that the the, the 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 simulation of the worlds and all of this is basically moving games from you know like you're just strapped in for the ride. And more like I can be part of that world and my right. actions have a big impact on the systems of that world. And, and that in turn aids me in my exactly. journey. It creates like a more personal experience as you're going through those games. Right. Those we, can tell, we can tell stories of having a hundred Flintwoods and no Ravens. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Fa- exactly. I mean, fascinating. It, it, the open world discussion is one of my favorite at the moment. It's really interesting. Yeah. It is going through two games like that in a row. I think like uh, <laughs> makes me want to stop and just think about open world design in different ways and go like, oh, if Assassin's Creed was to go in a different direction, where would that go? Actually, I played some Valheim as well uh, last week. Uh, I told you that I had bought it and didn't have a chance to play it, so I jumped in and I started playing it the wrong way initially. <laughs> um, but I I just started playing it alone. I uh, and. I, 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 my plan was to go through the tutorial and then eventually, you know, grab a group of friends who maybe already played it and try to join the server or invite uh, them to mine. And I ended up spending hours just like playing alone. And <laughs> the game, I mean, systemically it works well, but I guess there, there wasn't a lot of fun to be had alone. There, there was mm. there's a little bit of discoverability, um, but that was it. Then I noticed that my sister had bought the game as well. So I poked her and I'm like, hey, you want to play? And then my, my brothers jumped in and it ended up being a, a five-person family setting. Like me, my sister, and my three brothers. Um, my brothers jumped in. They bought the game outright because me and my sister were playing. And that changed the game completely. Just that Although building... it's a perfect setting to play a game. Right. right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, except like while we played it for hours, uh, for, for several hours, and we hit this... Oh, I see. So we did everything that we could do without grinding. And now I guess we have to like go out in the world and, and grind a bit. 
So I think it's one of those really cool games where you could play while having a chat with people while mm-hmm. doing the grindy thing. And uh, there's a place, there's definitely a place for that. Um, but I'm not, I'm not a collector. Like we were talking about open world and collecting before. Uh, my player type is not collector. There are a lot of things that, that I, I, I like about games. Collections is not really one of them. I don't get um, a rush from checking a box because I have 100 of these things or because I made it to that as much uh, as I am an explorer. And there's some exploration there for, for me, but it feels gated by collecting, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like I, I ventured into a, d- a d- direction and I uh, encountered a very difficult enemy. He wrecked me. It took me a lot of effort to go and recover my items. And I realized, okay, I just don't have, like, it's not about, there's not Dark Souls. There's not about the skill of defeating this enemy. I really don't have the stats to defeat this enemy. So I, mm-hmm. like, I, I would block with my shield and damage would go through. I'm like, okay, I need a much better shield to be able to withstand that attack, that kind of thing. Um, so it's good. I, I'm going to play it more and um, come back and let you know how that evolved. But I've hit this wall where I'm like, okay, now I got to do the part that I like less about games uh, to try to get more out of this. Does that make right? Does that make sense to you, Fozu? Very, very similar. And I, I, I hit to the point that, uh, like, you know, like when I can't get the group together, like I said, uh, I, I don't see the point of playing it anymore, which is why I played a different game entirely this week. Yeah, and if I had like you know my Habibis online and we're talking, it's a a lot. It becomes a lot less monotonous than just me, you know, just going through the motions myself. Uh, Another game I played actually is completely not a Viking thing, unless maybe they have some Viking uh, aesthetic. The first, (laughs) the first non-Viking game of this show. Exactly. (laughs) Um, I played Sackboy Adventures, and uh, I played it with my daughter. She's seven years old. Um, and we loved it. I absolutely love that game. It's a lot of fun. I've played every Little Big Planet beforehand, including the Little Big Planet racing game that let you build your own tracks. So I am mm-hmm. a fan of the franchise, and so there's some bias there. Uh, it really became more of an action game. Uh, I had this is I bought it when the game first came out and played it very little bit. Uh, we, we, you know, we got, the the consoles had just come out and we had a whole bunch of games, so I just like sampled it a little. But this time it was intentional. We like sat down. Okay, let's let's beat this game. We didn't beat it yet. We're like halfway through, and I'm loving it so far. The narrative is great. Visually, it's stunning. Um, highly recommended if you if you want to play it in co-op. I haven't played it alone, so I can't speak to that. Uh, but otherwise, it's I'm, I'm loving it. This one is uh, Sumo Digital, right? Not uh, Media Molecule. That's right. It is Sumo Digital. Right. right. Mm-hmm. They make good games. They made the uh, Crash Bandicoot racing game too, as well. Oh. Right. That's cool. Yeah, and I mean, I've seen some some shifts at Sony lately. I uh, I heard they wind they're winding down Japan Studios or like focusing it into the Astro. I mean, I love the Astro game, so mm-hmm. you know. But still, Japan Studio is sort of a sort of an iconic brand. It's a landmark <laughs> studio, man. That right? Uh, that, like they're responsible for some of my favorite games. You know, if Sony kind of keeps pushing their IPs through interesting studios um, for new versions. Uh, that could be interesting. I would like to see more more Sony first party studios in Japan, actually. Right. I mean, I I would love that too. But uh, you know, in in the way we're seeing the industry evolve with Stadia now with Sony with with everybody, even Nintendo at this point, it's just the the risk of spinning up studios to do experimental work just seems too high. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I see a lot of them go and go like somebody else work with this IP, right? Like uh, Zelda, uh, even with indies now. Yeah. Uh, Sackboy going through Sumo. And if I may use this as a bridge to the game I'm playing, mm-hmm. 
Persona 5 Strikers also being an interesting experiment. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. So this one is made by Tecmo, isn't it? Right. That's interesting. Persona 5 Strikers uh, sort of continues a weird tradition of we have an IP that is absolutely not a, a hack and slash action game or even a Musou game, and we're going to make it one. <laughs> and the thing is, I love Persona 5. I love the characters. I love the story. I love the world. And I, I love the mechanics. Uh, I love the interface and the loudness of it. The thing about Strikers is I was really nervous about that game because I love Joker and Ryuji and Anne and like the entire crew. I love the Phantom Thief, uh, the Phantom Thieves and Morgana and like everything about that world. So going back to it was scary because what if they what if they mess it up, mm -hmm. right? What if my memory of Persona 5 will forever be worse for having played Strikers? And just from the very first moment, it's just like... You're back in the world. Wow. They they nail the crew. They nail the aesthetic. They nail the the interface. Even though it's a completely different type of game. What type of game is it? So it's a hack and slash action. It's not quite big enough to to say like it's similar to a, a Dynasty Warriors game, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're relatively small encounters with maybe twenty to a hundred enemies usually. And you kind of hack and slash your way through. You have a strong, uh, a weak attack, a strong attack. You can switch between different characters. You bring a party of four. Uh, each of the characters has their own unique style of fighting with square and triangle. But then, if you hold uh, one of the um, one of the triggers or the the bumpers, it switches to a persona style interface where you get to pick an attack and hmm. aim it at an enemy. Is it like pause time? It pauses it time. Okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, you also get to aim with guns, just like you did in Persona 5, and that slows down time or stops time, depending on the weapon you're using. So in the end, it ends up feeling exactly like Persona 5. Like, you're still aiming to hit enemies with their weakness, so that you can do an all-out follow-up attack. And the story still develops the same way, even down to having uh, a calendar uh, that forwards through morning, noon, uh, night, uh, and the different dates, it's just that the calendar and the social aspects are far less prominent. But it feels so genuine. It feels so accurate that, yeah, it's building on top of my memories of Persona 5, uh, which is Persona 5 incredible. is such a wonderful game. That was like um, the... Like uh, you're saying that your mom played it uh, as her first game. That is definitely the game. Like if somebody told me I've never played the JRPG before, Persona 5 would be the first one I'd recommend. And though, like I am, I am biased. I've uh, worked on a, on the series before. I worked on, uh, I worked on the, a bit of the third one for the PlayStation Portable. Um, right. Nice. Ten years ago, and the thing that I liked the most about that is that like those the, the that team, you know, like with uh, Hoshino Sensei, like they've been making Persona games since the '90s, and it's the yeah. same crew <laughs> yeah. that is still making Persona games. No, Mother so advice, the soundtrack now. is still writing the soundtrack, and like they will, they will add value to even like the spin-offs. Like when Persona Three came out on the PS2, it was huge. There was like movies and animes and manga adaptations and stuff like that, and we were doing the PlayStation Portable aspect of it. Like uh, Megosan, I think wrote ten extra tracks for for just the PSP version of that. Wow. Yeah, it's a That's talented team. And I'm just happy that uh, there's, you know, build on with Persona 5 Strikers. I can't wait till I play it. Right. No, it's it's super good. It's it's genuinely a wonderful game. Yeah, I saw that uh, Soijima-san, the art director, is involved in both. Right. I, I, can, I cannot be surprised. It, it breathes the same. 
it's it's hard to it's uh, it's genuinely hard to say at this point which one it becomes a really difficult conversation because nobody is wrong <laughs> nobody is right uh, I believe Persona 5 is the better game, but if somebody else said like, oh no, Strikers is like a better distillation of what Persona is about, the rebelliousness or something, I'd be like, yeah, that's, that's right. It's like talking about like who makes the better, who makes the better, I don't know, the, the better uh, recipe. You know, oh, in, uh, well, no, in Air Force. We've already me. established that Iraqis make the best kebabs. Oh, so. yeah, I will fight you. We don't, 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 <laughs> don't, don't, trigger, don't trigger Osama. <laughs> because Osama I mean, will trigger us. Right. <laughs> I mean, but I, I mean, let's let's be fair. I do I do think that is sort of like inherent yes. to the culture, right? Oh, like the, there there is a definite pride in in arab culture of things that are your own or your own countries or your own cities uh, i think on actually honestly i think on every level we try to outdo each other or at least say that we outdo each other dude like um something that i find so funny when i talk to anyone in the middle east like they ask you how you're doing you tell them i feel bad they'd be like you feel bad i feel worse it's like <laughs> how is it why, why are we suddenly talking about you right. <laughs> you're one thing feeling worse than i do <laughs> but, it's a, but it goes for everything right you go like you tell somebody like oh i wrecked my car and they go like oh in 1978 i wrecked yeah. my car real bad <laughs> Done. Listen. <laughs> it's anything like that. Like I see the conversations on social media. We just landed a car on Mars and it's taking photos. Photos? Let me show you these photos. I have to... yeah. It's literally a car on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get that a lot. Like I actually, my most vivid memory of this was not from too long ago when my mother. This is like maybe four years ago or something like that. My mother was sitting with a lot of her friends. I, the context was like someone's wedding or someone's engagement, something along those lines. And in front of, like, while I was there, she told all her friends that I was an engineer. And she said that because someone else was saying, "Oh, my son's an engineer." She's like, "Well, my son's an engineer," and I'm like. Mom, I'm not an engineer. Like, I work in they the don't... world of animation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And she, like that. That to her, she had to like come in with at least the same. She can't come in right. with less. And what's a designer, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's true. I mean, but it's also funny because it gets used in all sorts of directions, right? Yeah. So when when because there's layers to this, right? When it's you against somebody from a different country. You defend your country, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. But when it's two people from the same country, you defend your city. Yes. And when it's two people from the same city, you defend your neighborhood. Yes. And when it's people from the same neighborhood, they you see. defend your street in the neighborhood. <laughs> and then if it's in the street, you defend your family from the other family. But when it's in the family, <laughs> you give you give the people you give the people. <laughs> uh, towards the other people right <laughs> because we will always defend anybody the closer you get to our family the more defensive we get right Absolutely. but within the family we don't do that at all no why would you do within that? The, within the family <laughs> we we let people know that all the other people are better and we need to step it up <laughs> which is really like it's such a weird contradiction i actually a, a great example my dad listens to uh the habibis and um, remember the episode we did about uh, food? Yes. And and Fauzi said, and when you eat kushri, there's a kamala, right? Yeah. Like a continuation. And my yeah. dad's like, Rami, 
I thought I, I thought I raised you better. Why is Fauzi the person bringing that up, huh? He's not an Egyptian. He's telling the Egyptian stories. <laughs> I was like, Dad, listen, I'm having fun on a podcast. He brought it up first, okay? Like, it's, what am I supposed to do? It's clearly that I am the authority to talk about food. It's not, right. it's, it's not Osama by any stretch of the imagination. Well, I mean, it's not Osama because it's <laughs> kebab opinion. Uh, Blasphemy, but, actually. Yeah. Correction. <laughs> well, when, you, when one day you come to Montreal, I'll take you to the best Iraqi kebab restaurant you've ever had. Since oh, I don't I'll imagine. definitely take you up on that. Best, er- best Iraqi kebab, I can believe. Best kebab. Yes, exactly. No, no, exactly. Be oh, careful that, with your choice of words there. So. Just hold off until you try it. You'll see. It's authentic, like you wouldn't believe. You'll love it. But, but, but there is something. There is something really interesting about that layer of that layering of what we defend. Right. It's always us until we get to the final layer, and then it's sort of like outwards as well. It's. I've always been fascinated by it because it's true. Every story you tell an Arab will tell a bigger story. And yeah. it's very often you wonder whether it's true, right? Yeah. This is this one-upmanship actually put food on our table, if I think about it. Because uh, when we first came to Canada, my dad was a petroleum engineer in Iraq, but when we first came to Canada, he opened up a store with one of his friends. Um, and then they each, like they were partners in the store. And then they each opened up their own store. And then a second store. And then a third store. I think they were competing <laughs> to see who could open the most stores. So I actually had to credit it to that. <laughs> there is this thing, like, um, when you speak to any um, older generation Arab, that, that they will totally uh, one-up you on anything you say about, like, how much more difficult their life was. <laughs> like, I, I don't think there is a single, like, um, uh, Arab man over 40 that has studied in the same school that, the, uh, like, in the school in the same village that they lived in. Everybody right. apparently traveled thousands of miles to go to school. At Every, least a thousand miles. And yep. like, are you, are you like, the bus comes and takes you? I had to walk five villages to get to my <laughs> right. school. They're right. like, oh, you have uh, an electricity at your home? I used to yeah. read over candles. I'm like, right. <laughs> My father was a captain of the wrestling team in his school, but apparently so are all my uncles. <laughs> right. I don't know how they pulled that off. <laughs> but it's so it's so true, and it's so it's so funny that these stories when they come up, they're they're almost mythological, right? Yeah. They turn yes. they turn your parents into this mythological creatures, yeah. yeah, your aunties and uncles, and they're just like, yeah, no, I had a, I had a rough day, and and one of them would just go like, rough day. What do you mean rough day? When I grew up, rough day meant we didn't eat for six weeks. There was no water within 5,000 miles. A meteor came from the sky and we punched it back up. Right. Like the worst thing is like when like they go, um, like you're, you're at, uh, like I was with my family having lunch or something. And then my mom's like, would you like some more meat in your plate? And then I say, no, my dad just loses it. Lost like, it. What? Right. No meat? What do you mean no meat? When I was when growing I was up, yeah. <laughs> I was dreaming of meat. I was like, oh, that you bad. meat once a month. And <laughs> we have to walk six villages for it. And share it, share it with 12 children. And we would get one bite of meat. And we would be thankful and happy. And you say no to meat? And no it wasn't even meat. Iraqi kebab. It was just like regular meat. <laughs> He gets so insulted just because, like, no, I don't want that much meat. I'm happy with just rice. Just rice? Are you kidding me? We have the same stories. How is that possible? I think, I, think in, I think this is just a very, like, 
cultural way of telling stories because I'm imagining that his parents did the same with him, yeah. right? Yeah. And I mean, you gotta you gotta remember. I think for in a lot of cases, the generation before, and I mean, not to discredit the difficulties that the generation of my father went through, mm. but the generation before that probably had really rough lives, oh, yeah. right? We're talking about colonialism, yeah. horrible things that have happened, wars, uh, independence, stuff like that. So, yeah. right, even in the Netherlands, like there were there was no sewage, roads didn't exist, like stuff like that. On, yeah. on a hundred year scale, you're in a different age of humanity. Um, so imagining that in Egypt, yeah, yeah, of course, life was was different and was harder. But I think the Arabs have a very unique ability to take from that a story that one-ups yeah, that, it's a, anybody else. That's it, right? That's I the only thing. I genuinely believe is genetics. So like, if it, if this podcast <laughs> was my dad, your dad, and Osama's dad, Osama's dad is going to go like, kebabs come from Iraq. Everybody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> he will also do that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> no doubt about it. That's that's why you need um, somebody to kind of be the judge of who's uh, who's right instead of just these outrageous claims. I think that that is kind of the interesting thing about this is there there is no judgment in the one upment between yeah. friends, right? Like you say, yeah. kebab from Iraq is better. We all know that's nonsense. Yes, but we still, <laughs> everyone I that's listening know that. also knows that's nonsense. No, <laughs> but, but oh, we, shots we fired. We all sort of accept that that is what you believe and that that yeah. is fair. And that, yeah, we you accept know, you, Osama. I, I, think, I think, okay, we'll, we'll leave your, your wrong opinions of Iraqi kebab aside for a second. <laughs> I, I think there's actually good intentions behind it. Like, even if right. it's, but, but I mean, if, if someone's praising themselves a lot and you try to one-up them, you're trying to humble that person so that they don't, you know, they get a little bit grounded. And if somebody's trying to go the other way and say, look, I had a bad day, you're trying to make them feel better by showing them that it could be worse. I really do feel, believe that at some point it was well-intentioned it's to make the situation better or like, you know, to, to show a point. And then, you know, it became cultural and that message got lost somewhere. Right. I'll, and I still think it's well-intended, but it's also just automatic. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I mean, and, and obviously like it will always come back to food, right? Like that's, Ultimately, that's what our people fight about, I think. <laughs> it's food. Um, one of many things. One of many things. That is fair. Um, so um, a few episodes ago, we were talking about food. And we were talking about um, where, um, where the best of any food comes from. And at one point, uh, I forgot who it was, but one of us said, we need a fair Egyptian judge of food. A neutral Egyptian yeah. judge, Dutch. Yeah. And, I said uh, neutral. You said Egyptian. <laughs> well, I mean the same thing, right? Same thing. Uh, <laughs> so um, we went and found somebody who could do that. Um, and with that, I think we want to introduce our first ever guest to the Habibis, uh, Nurhan. Hey, I'm the fair, neutral Egyptian judge. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you got that from. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I wasn't looking for neutral. I was just looking for Egyptian, <laughs> to be fair. Because Rami is the one neutral. that added a bunch of stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the fair and the neutral, those are additions. <laughs> I, I'm still reserving judgment until you hear your opinion about Iraqi kebab. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> Honestly, okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I have like very specific food opinions, and I do think like Iraqi kebabs are better. 
Thank you. But okay, I that's also, it. But listen to this other opinion. I also think Yemeni and Omeni food is probably the best food in the region. So you know what? I, I'll accept that as long as you're you agree with the kebab part. You know, you can take the rest. I just really like the Nuran specifically mentioned all countries that aren't ours. Yeah. Just, exactly. just to start it up, just to start it up, she's gonna one up every opinion. I have like listen, this is like you guys are talking about competition. I have to do it. I'm Arab. I literally go through this. And like even when I cook, there's gonna be like like my mom. Um I was making basbusa, right? I was making it for the first time ever. And I was really nervous. And my mom looked at it and she was like, you know, I had this friend. 25 years ago (laughs) (laughs) who made the best basbusa ever and I was like cool and I was like okay I'm just gonna forget this moment happened and I like I put the basbusa in the oven and I was so excited for it and my mom was like you know like she was like like she smelled everything she was like no this isn't it this isn't as good and I was like oh my god (laughs) you text her right now and like ask her if it's good or not and like I took out the basbusa, it was smelled so good. I did a food, uh, I took the pictures of it, and she sends it. And this lady's like, "Yeah, it's not good as mine." Like I will fight you. Right. I, will- <laughs> <laughs> I also love that this is like you said the first time you made basbusa. I know the first time ever. The lady, like my, I, w- I like got looped into the WhatsApp conversations, and I shouldn't have done that. Right. And I'm like, I will fight all of you to defend my basbusa. None of you get to eat this. And I was like, oh, no, you can't, you can't try it unless you defend my honor. Like, <laughs> like my, I'm being attacked right now. And like, I, it wasn't like Arabs, man. It, it was. It, it's a thing for sure. <laughs> We we came across you from uh, from the many photos you uh, you post all over uh, of of food. Oh yeah. And um, and I've been uh, I've been following all your uh, your uh, recipe uh, exploits and, and food exploits ever since. To be fair, coming across your your uh, your social media accounts for me was like it felt like coming home to, you know, home. Uh, oh, that's so nice. f- food is one of the one of the the pillars i think of uh of arab culture and society and i think you did a, a fatir yes i did do fatir it uh, was i fatir is like one of those things where i make in like i'll make like i'll make them once a month i'll make four at a time and freeze them and take them out and it's just just one of the best things ever because you know when you take it out it smells like of the oven it smells like like it smells like Egypt. It smells like Mosul. It smells like home. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, um, it was. It was as a, as a child when I was younger in Egypt. It was the it was the McDonald's for me, right? Where your parents would take you for nice food. Rami, how the hell do you get it? Do you get us back to McDonald's every time we talk about food here? Because I like, like McNuggets. It's <laughs> the McNuggets. You have a McNugget issue. Yeah, I have a It helps us McNugget. appreciate real food, right, Rami? Right. That's your intention all along. Right. right, right, right. Yeah, no, I'm just trying to one-up you with, like, the best the best nuggets in the world. Honestly, I'm going to be honest. The best McDonald's I've ever had is in, is in Mosr in egypt they have like this thing called like a spicy chicken big mac it's the best thing ever like a big mac, but with the chicken patties 
and it's the best it's the best thing i ever had whenever anyone comes from egypt i'll have them get like five with them in the suitcase <laughs> and like it doesn't go bad obviously and it's just the best thing ever the customs officers must be so confused it's like <laughs> what is this it's like the burgers for a friend <laughs> They have McDonald's packaging, is that correct, yeah. madam? Is that yes? Yes. <laughs> that is correct. No. With all well, the like that, it'll probably last a while too. Right. I like that, that Nohan just one up you, one up two stories of you in one right, day. She's right. like, you know, like you're, you're like, you know, best McDonald's in Orchard. Like, obviously, mine is better. And like, you're like, <laughs> how mean, I like McDonald's, like my story. Let me tell you this better McDonald's story. Listen, Annie, as, as far as I'm concerned, she said Egypt. Egypt, I'm good. I I agree, I agree wholeheartedly with everything what Nuran just said. I've never had the burger, but I know it's the best. See, I have no regrets because she said the Iraqi kebabs are the best kebabs. I'm honestly, I'm really happy with having you over on this on our podcast, Nuran. This has been a great decision. Nuran, you gotta throw me a bone here. <laughs> is to just get everybody on my side and then I'm just going to quickly take down all your arguments and I feel like oh, no. <laughs> like, no. like oh. I feel like you don't know what you did but I'm here now and I'm just it's going to be so much fun. So as our as our as our resident food expert, what can you throw to to Fauzi? What do the, what do the Jordanians have? Mansef. Yeah, Man. there you go. Okay, good. All right, so 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 that's good Fauzi. You have your thing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the Egyptians best, have the best McDonald's in Osama. Big- <laughs> I feel, okay, I actually have a funny story about mansef. Uh-huh. So I, you know, in Egypt, we don't eat mansef. I had no idea what it was. And the first time I went over to my fiance's house, his mom made us mansef, right? And I, I had no idea what this was. It was my first contact with it. And I looked down and I was like, oh my God, this is like white feta. You know, like how <laughs> in Egypt is red. And I was like, oh, it's white. And this woman looked at me and she looked at my fiance and she was like, you want to marry her? What did I do? And he was like, it's not, that's not what it's called. You don't, like, you don't, you don't insult the mensaf in a Jordanian household. I know, I had no idea. They're Palestinian. They just lived in Jordan. And I was like, I have no idea what this is. And I loved it so much. And like, we make mensaf now for like all the really big celebrations we have. Nice. So like, I love it. I think it's the best. I do not think it's better than Egyptian feta, to be honest with you. Oh, no. oh my God. What, what, is, what is happening? <laughs> That's a jagged bone you threw up. That's, That's a very pointy bone that hit me in the heart. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you? Are you? Are you real? No, I'm not. Yeah. So we're gonna throw the Jordanians the mensef, but it's not as good as ours. But that's what we give them. I love it. It's like a backhanded compliment that I've heard of. But what I'm gonna do is gonna t- gonna take this audio clip and send it to your mother-in-law. End <laughs> me. You said you also you said you made basbusa, right? Yes. Do you want to talk a little bit about what basbusa is? So it's the best way I can describe it is it's like a very moist coconut farina cake. It's crumbly. It'll like, it's supposed to melt in your mouth with like 
a nice hot cup of tea. I can't imagine eating basbusa without a cup of tea. And the process mm-hmm. is, I think the process is going to defer for everyone. But, um, but yours so is the best. <laughs> I do think mine is the best. Okay. Um, of course you do. I, obviously. But I feel like everyone uses it with different ingredients, right? Like some people use semolina. I used farina. Some people will use like butter, normal butter. I used ghee because here's my thing. Mm-hmm. I think clarified butter or ghee is actually better because it adds so much flavor to it. And especially with this, you're not you're not adding vanilla extract. You're not adding anything to it. It's basically like butter and like whatever sort of ground thing you're going to be using so i feel like it adds so much flavor and i think the thing is with egyptian food because um basbusa is egyptian huh what What? that's debatable (laughs) no so that you debate osama (laughs) of course you debate that i think like with egyptian food um butter holds a very special place in it um like everything we made in my, with my grandma was just filled with butter everything mm-hmm. even if it didn't need it like um, <laughs> like i remember like i don't know if you remember Romy, or if you have this in other countries like you'd buy the clarified butter but it would be like a big butter ball and you just mm-hmm. like cut pieces of it that's what we had like i can't imagine growing up without that so i used the clarified butter as my flavoring and i did one twist just one twist i added cardamom and orange to it just to give it like a little extra pull and that was really controversial (laughs) 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 in the group chat and then um so when you mix it you're gonna Sometimes you just need to do things in a very, very old-fashioned way. Like you're going to add in your farina, you're going to add in your butter, a little bit of baking powder, and then you're just going to like mix it together with your hands. Like with your hands. It's not going to work if you do it with a whisk. It's not going to do it. It's just, it's not going to work if you do it with anything other than your hands because you want that nice, flaky, beautiful, Mm -hmm. like, texture and you're not going to get that with any sort of machine yeah. you're, you're not right? so i think like that's what makes cooking so sacred especially in the context of the arab world is that sometimes you just have to do things the way they've been done for centuries and no amount of modern baking techniques is right. going to change that because when you make food you're also like putting a part of yourself in it so like you just have to like break it down with your hands and then you shape it into however you want. I can I can hear my Tata speak right now. Just like you think a KitchenAid is as good as centuries of our culture? No. Throw the no. KitchenAid out of here. Get it out of here. Like I'll I'll use my KitchenAid with like making dough, but I can't like I feel like ethically and morally <laughs> I <laughs> like I just can't use it for anything else. The, the only thing I, I wanted to add is for the people who are going to uh, you know like listen to this and want to try basbusa for the first time. If it's prepackaged, it is not the same at all. Mm-hmm. It's going to be dry. You're not going to get that moisture at all, and don't judge it based on that at all. It's not the mm-hmm. same dessert. I would love oh, yeah. some with my tea right now. Right. Yeah. Same. Oh yeah. Wait, Nurhan, the, 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 
we we call it I think harissa in uh, in Jordan. What do you top it with? Is it pistachio or something else? So I topped it off with pistachio because I like pistachio. But uh, in Mosra, we usually top it off with the ha- with hazelnuts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But same. I don't uh, like hazelnut hazelnut. for us. Right. I just like pistachios. Mm-hmm. The dough is gonna feel like wet sand. And that's the texture you want. That's the best texture for basbusa, in my opinion. You can make it wetter or drier. Um, I I thought that was perfect for me. And then you're going to I I used a circular pan, like a nine inch one, mm-hmm. and I threw it all in there and I patted it down with my hand, like I shaped it with my hand. And like you have to pat it down really well, or else it won't like it won't hold together. It it just won't work. And then you can cut it however you want. Originally, I was just going to cut it in squares. But I did it in like little diamond shapes. And I kid you not, that was one of the most frustrating things I've done in my life. <laughs> and baking it is also um, interesting. Because the ovens that like that you would normally make it in just aren't here in america it's i'm in i'm in north america they're not here um so baking it is a very intricate process because if you over bake it you're you can't eat it it's going to be a cracker and if you under bake it it's going to be sand in your mouth so the way i did it i put it like on the middle rack for Mm -hmm. about 15 minutes until i saw it brown on the side and then I took it out, let it rest for one minute, and I put it back in the oven, but on the very top rack. And then once it started to get a little bit brown, I got really impatient and I just boiled it. <laughs> I was like, I can't wait. Like, I have the pressure of my mom. I have the pressure of her friend. Everything right. just too much pressure right now. Right. So I boiled it until it turned like a nice, beautiful golden brown and then like immediately once you take it out you have to have your syrup ready it's so easy to make it's just one two cups of water and one cup of sugar and lemon and you just let it all boil up right Right. so it's just the quickest thing you can make um while it's baking and then here's the thing i would heavily recommend that if you do make basbusa you make the simple syrup the night before and you refrigerate it because the combination of cold simple syrup or at least room temperature simple syrup with like a flaming hot vespusa is just going to mix together so well. It's going to create a texture that is like very hard on the outside of the vespusa. And then in the middle, it's going to be like nice and moist and chewy. And it's the most beautiful texture. It adds so much fragrance. Oh and God. I feel like when I think of basbusa and making it, I think just like its textures, its layers of fragrance, mm-hmm. it's built in your mouth. And that was just the most amazing experience. And I do think I have every single right to just fight those. I'm just so happy that, you, you know, we have this this beautiful, like, you know, build on culture, on heritage, on history, like all this effort that you did. And then the result is like, my friend made it better. Oh, no. Thanks, thanks mom. Like, thanks, mom. 20 years ago. <laughs> no, I was like, no, this is like, you have to. 
it, when you break it down, I think it can also be like very toxic sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like with food, it's just all fun and games. But then at one point, you just start like pitting people against each other. And then you'll like, it's not like I got I got accepted into graduate school. Finally. Congratulations. Congratulations. And like my mom called everyone. She's like, oh, my daughter got accepted into graduate Aww. school. And they all started this thing. <laughs> Where it was just like competition, competition, competition. <laughs> and I was like, listen, I know all your kids. I know all their dirty little secrets. Don't make me feel like you right now. Like, ma'am, she, like, one of them was like, oh, yeah, my son is going to graduate school, too. I'm like, ma'am, your son isn't in college. Right. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I wish. So, sometimes I wish they would just give it up, Mabruk. Congratulations. And- <laughs> oh. No, but no. no, I, I want the drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want the drama. Why do you fight me about Mansa? Yeah. About- <laughs> Fauzi, you do remember our food expert here has said that Mansa is indeed the best Mansa there is. It's just not as good as white feta. <laughs> yeah, like, Which is I- like a mid tier Egyptian food, right? <laughs> 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 Like, You're digging your own grave here, Ron. I don't know. <laughs> we just lost half our followers. <laughs> okay. We it's lost okay. followers and gained enemies. <laughs> you know what? That's the only way to do it, though. Like, I feel like that's like, and you know what? We'd probably gain enemies, and we'd probably still be eating together. Right. And I think it's interesting, like the idea that. Um, like a lot of the times we'll get a we'll not agree on a lot of things but i think food is like this wonderful mediator where it's like um like you know like in egypt we say like you're breaking bread and salt together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i i feel like that manifests in a lot of ways right like i'll still i'll still like invite fauzi over to eat <laughs> Don't let's let's agree to this when the world goes back to being able to travel we'll all meet and we'll all bring the best food of our culture love it which will be so much easier for me because nurhan is coming so we're good yes and i'll get to judge all of it right (laughs) do i have to make it because it won't be the best if i make the kebabs myself you can't talk all this talk and then then not make it yourself oh no i have to practice yeah you have to practice you have the pandemic the, the, to practice, man. Just make kebabs right. every day. Be fine. <laughs> so, I, like, full truth, my brother-in-law makes the best kebabs. Well, oh, time to go. Here we go. Time, here we go. Time, to, <laughs> time to go tell him, and then he'll teach you. And then when you make it the first time, he'll tell you it's not as good as his. So, <laughs> That's the process. That's how it works. Anyway, Noran, thank you so much for, uh, for uh, the, you know, the, the, the chats and the, the basbusa recipe. Um, yeah. Do I understand correctly that you have it written out? Yes, I awesome. do. Awesome. Um, w- would you be okay with posting it in our Discord? I can post it in the Discord with a few Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So for everybody listening in on our Discord, there's a recipe uh, channel that Norhan will be uh, posting the Basbusa recipe. And if you've been listening along and you're not quite sure what it is or you know what it looks like when it's done, uh, there will be some beautiful diamond-shaped photos of those. Um, <laughs> For everybody that tuned in, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't subscribed, if you're listening via the browser, don't forget to hit that uh, subscribe button uh, at whatever your favorite podcasting app is. If you have any questions, if you have any stories, if you have recipes of your own, 
uh, please do email them to us at info at thehabibis.com and we will tell you how our recipes are better. Um, if you <laughs> if you want to hang out with a bunch of uh, a bunch of listeners, friends, followers, everything, uh, follow us, uh, join us at our Discord at uh, discordthehabibis.com. And uh, finally, if you want to follow us on Twitter, follow us at, at the underscore Habibis. Um, I think that was it for this episode. Nuran, again, thank you so much for being here. Thank You're you. Welcome. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> um, this was the Habibis podcast for this episode. I was Rami Ismail, your host. Uh, thanks for being here and salam. 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 That was the Habibis podcast for this week. I was Rami Ismail, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at T-H-A underscore Rami. My fellow Habibis were Osama Dorias, who you can find on Twitter at Osama Dorias. And Fauzi Mesmar, who you can find on Twitter at Fauzi Mesmar. Send us your questions, stories, and suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. The intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubayla. And the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about three game developers drinking good Arab tea. With new episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting service or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening and salam.